Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and as always, of course, joined by my trusty sidekick, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Uh, Here, uh, we're sitting around watching a little Monday Night Football, and of course, we're going to talk a little football with our uh, best uh, plays for the week, as we always do, uh, and maybe some uh, more DFS insight this week. Well, I'll tell you what I'm excited about. I'm excited about the fact that the thermometer actually got down to like 40-some-odd degrees, 49, I think it was. So we are truly in football weather now. Well, if nothing else, it's weather where you need to drink a little bit more alcohol to warm your blood up. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I had an interesting agave, poppy agave from Mac Magic Hat this past weekend. You know, I don't think I've had that one, although Magic Hat has made some very fabulous beers over the years. Uh a few years back, they made a uh, summer release that was made with hibiscus and cucumber called Haiku that was very delicious. That sounds pretty uh, daggone, daggone refreshing. It was very refreshing. Unfortunately, as a one-off, and I may have been the only person in their entire target market that bought it and enjoyed it <laughs> because I, I, fought, I saw it on the shelves for about two months, and all of a sudden it was gone and haven't seen it since. Gotcha. So... There's a lot that happened this week. Like It seemed like there's just a lot of points left on the field. And I'm sure that there's some Blitz podcast news items that will just really make our um, listenership happy this week. So I'm going to tell you what. Let's just get right into it, and let's throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitz podcast news. Thank you, Steve. Tom Brady returned to the field and immediately posted a 400-yard, three-touchdown performance. This should come as no surprise since Brady has been waiting four weeks to stick it to the rest of the league. With 11 games yet to come, some prognosticators are predicting that Brady could still reach 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. He does have a couple tough matchups yet to come, including games against Denver and Seattle so nothing is guaranteed. However, he does face the pathetic Jets secondary twice, so that should secure him at least 25% of those stats. (laughs) Questions remain for Week 6 as to whether or not Blaine Gabbert will get another start for the 49ers. Gabbert has been a complete waste of space his entire career, and the Niners fan base have already started chanting for Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick isn't the only player that Gabbert has to worry about, however, as the locker room all want Christian Ponder to start. All three of these quarterbacks come from the 2011 draft class, and to this date, none of them have performed up to their draft stock. Despite this putrid collection of humanity's struggles, we can also neither confirm nor deny whether or not the Niners' front office staff has been in touch with fellow 2011 first-round bust Jake Locker about returning to football. 
Despite Dak Prescott's early season success, Jerry Jones remains committed to giving the starting job back to Tony Romo once he recovers from his injury. We pushed him with the question of how much more Prescott would have to achieve to maintain hold of the job. To which Jones replied, The job is Romo's. And when Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, and Deion Sanders are ready to return from their injuries, they will be reanointed starters as well. <laughs> Adam Thielen had a breakout game for the Minnesota Vikings while Stefan Diggs battled a groin injury on the sidelines. Thielen signed with the Vikings as an undrafted rookie at a tryout camp in 2013 out of Minnesota State University. We attempted to contact Minnesota State to ask about Thielen's production while in college, but neither Craig T. Nelson nor Jerry Van Dyke were available for comment. <laughs> and finally, both Cody Kessler and Charlie Whitehurst were knocked out of the Browns game against the Patriots due to injury. This left Terrell Pryor as the only active player with any quarterback experience, and he was forced to slide from wide receiver to under center. Kessler may play in Week 6, or Josh McCown may return early from his injury to lead the Browns versus Tennessee. Either way, the musical chairs at the quarterback position continue for the Browns. Cleveland hero LeBron James was asked about his ability to step in and potentially quarterback the Browns. His response? I could do it, and I would be better than everyone else that has lined up there this year. But it would be tough. Because although I am the greatest of all time, the rest of the Browns are basically Timothy Mozgov. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. I don't follow basketball, but I think that that was a um, knock against Mr. Mozgov. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, did you hear? I don't, I've got to be honest with you. Let's just tell our listeners right now. I'm dealing with a massive migraine. Hard to focus tonight. But did you mention that the, there's rumors that the Browns reached out to um, Johnny Football? About time. I mean, he knows the system, right? <laughs> um, I guess. Next, you're going to tell me they reached out to Tim Tebow. No, I'm being serious, though. That's scary. Yeah, it is. Um, so. <sighs> I think I'd rather see LeBron, LeBron under center than Johnny Football. I thought there was going to be something about LeBron being a better tight end or something. I don't know. Um, he probably is. Uh, Gary Barnage is hurt right now, so they actually could use a tight end, too. Yeah. Um, LeBron's a freak athlete. I'm not a big. I never was a big fan of his um, initially, but I think he's come a long way with his um, PR development and the person that he is today versus when he first got started in the league. So I actually respect him a lot more now. But enough of LeBron James. Um, enough. How of, did we devolve this into a basketball conversation? Yeah, today? I don't know. Um, let's let's just talk about the Indians while we're at it and turn it to a Cleveland centric instead of Tampa centric like we used to be. No, no, no. This is. October 10th, so uh, technically this is Indigenous Persons Day, so should we call them the Cleveland Native Americans? <laughs> the Cleveland baseball team. All right, forget it. Here's what we're going to do. Let's let our listeners know right now what's happening this week. We are going to move, move right into our DFS um, plays, stayaways, and value plays for the week. Run through the positions, and then what we're going to do is we're going to touch on bankroll management, etc. stuff along those lines to help our DFS listeners. Sound good? Sounds like a plan to me, Steve. Then let's jump into my favorite position of all the 
skill positions, be quarterback. I lie, but we'll start with quarterback. <laughs> Go ahead. You lead us off. Who are you paying up for at quarterback? Well, I, I'm paying up this week for Russell Wilson versus Atlanta. His price tag is 6900 and 8400 which when you compare it to some of the other higher-priced quarterbacks isn't that high. But we associate Russell Wilson with being a quarterback one, one of the top four or five that went in your draft. So I consider him still a top-tier quarterback. His production has obviously been down this year due to that poor offensive line as well as a couple of injuries. But now he's had a week to rest himself up, and they're facing Atlanta. Uh, Paxton Lynch uh, last week in his first career start is the only quarterback this year to not throw for more than three uh, three or more touchdowns against them. Okay. So the guy that I'm going to pay up for is a guy that I believe is a much safer play when he's at home than when he's on the road, and that is Mr. Drew Brees. Now, I can't say that I absolutely am enamored with this matchup because I'm not sure what we're going to get I mean, Carolina's banged up in the secondary. As we speak, we're about a quarter down on Monday night, so I'm not sure how that's going to play out and what that would make me think after tonight's game. But the fact that Breeze is at home, the very well game script could wind up that Carolina comes into the Saints' home and grabs a lead and they have to play from behind. I think that Drew Breeze is safe for you know, a 320-3 and three line. They might have one or two interceptions in there, but I think he's a very safe play if you're going to pay up for quarterback. I don't have the uh, numbers in front of me for uh, Breeze, but I know he is much, much better at home. And historically, between these two teams, when they've faced each other, it has been fairly a high-scoring game. Yep. As, as it seems like almost everything in the NFC South always is when it's amongst um, rivals. Well, that's because no one in that division plays defense anymore. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Okay, who are you staying away from? For the second week in a row, I'm going to stay away from Matt Ryan. Uh, first, he played in Denver, and his numbers were down. This week, he's playing in Seattle. Only one quarterback has topped 250 yards against them, and they've allowed a total of one passing touchdown this entire season. I I love Matt Ryan. He had a great start to the season, but I'm not going to pay quarterback one prices for him in a hostile environment. Fair enough. I think that's actually a very, very solid avoid um, one I would have considered but I'm going to go a little more expensive and say that believe it or not in his homecoming um, yeah he didn't play at home last week I don't think I'm staying away from Tom Brady wow just it feels like a trap Cincinnati's on the ropes and the defense It's got some issues at linebacker somewhat, but I just, Carlos Dunlap can get after the quarterback. Geno Atkins can get, can collapse the pocket. What does Tom Brady not fare well with? Pressure in his face, right? Yep. So I just, I don't see the upsides there. I just see enough risk to why I have to risk it. So that's why I'm going to stay away from Tom Brady. It's a bold prediction there, Steve. Uh, Who are you going for as a value play this week at quarterback? Well, my value play this week is a guy that can help you out with his legs. Nope, not Alex Smith. Um, Tyrod Taylor. Jameis think, Winston? No, not Jameis Winston. Tyrod Taylor. He'll help um, you out with crab legs. <laughs> uh, Taylor's at 53 and 78, and seeing that he was able to be productive fantasy-wise without Sammy Watkins and 
you know, watching, you know, they had, hey, look, the, the Bills look good right now after firing their offense coordinator still. Tyrod's got some issues, but if you're going to punt the position, I think he's got plenty of upside at that price range. He has definitely performed better in the last two games than he did to start the season. The guy I'm going to pay down for and, and get on the cheap is Alex Smith. Uh, Alex Smith is going to Oakland at 5,700 on DraftKings, only 6,800 on FanDuel. No team has allowed more passing yards, and three different quarterbacks have thrown for three or more touchdowns against them. Alex Smith has the capability of producing two or three touchdowns, and what that does is it also makes kind of a sneaky, deep, deep dive at wide receiver to a guy like Tyreek Hill. And Alex, again, is one of those guys that can pad his numbers with his legs. Exactly. Great zero quarterback type guys. And a guy I didn't talk about this week, but I'll tell you what, Mr. Hoyer, the past few weeks. 300, 300, 300. Yep. So nothing to sneeze at. No reason to have to pay up for quarterbacks, quite honestly, at the end of the day. There just really isn't. Well, then let's roll into running back where we may actually want to pay up for some people. Uh, First off, the guy I'm going to pay up for has been off to a great start this season. It's DeMarco Murray. This week he gets to face Cleveland. Now, we all know that Cleveland is bad, but perhaps you don't know how bad Cleveland actually is. They are allowing 142 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. 142. That's a lot. And realistically, Derrick Henry has not been a part of the offense that much. So most of those yards are going to go to Mr. Murray. I love paying up for Murray. Um, But what I look at when I'm looking at who I'm paying up for Let's use as an example, we've got Lamar Miller at 6,600. So if I'm going to pay up for Lamar Miller at 66, then I then move up to the next person and go, okay, Todd Gurley, you're 6,700. Am I going to pay up for you over Lamar Miller? And that's how I check my box to see where I'm going to land. So I got to, you know, work my way up from 10 up. No, I don't want him, don't want him, don't. Oh, you know what? I like DeMarco Murray. Heck yeah, I'd pay up for that. Let's see who's, oh, Le'Veon Bell, you're 7,900, 9,300. Yeah, I'm going to pay up for Le'Veon Bell. Um, the one play I like a little better than DeMarco Murray. Anytime you can put a running back plus three-quarters of a wide receiver in your lineup for that price, I'm paying up for it. I'll be the first one to admit that I underestimated what Bell would do coming back uh, just two short weeks ago. But he has actually stepped right in and accelerated himself into the running back one we all know he's capable of being. But like you said... In a format where you get points per reception, as most daily fantasy sites do have, uh, he's just that much more valuable. He's been getting hundreds of targets since he's come back, and he's catching all those passes too and converting those and turning them into additional yards after the catch. Yeah, and that's the key is the fact that a lot of running backs, okay, like DeMarco Murray, although Murray's been involved in the passing game too, so maybe he's not the best example, but if they're not involved in the passing game and they get stifled, and it happens, there's games where everything looks like it should line up and it should be a great game and it winds up being a low-scoring game and they don't get enough touches or they get behind and they can't get the ball. Um, that doesn't happen with Le'Veon Bell because he's involved in that passing game. So you always have a very high floor with him. And, and that's why I'm more than willing to pay up for that. And honestly, if I could find a spot in my DFS lineups for DeMarco Murray and Le'Veon Bell, I'm punting at other positions to do that. Definitely a good strategy this week. Now, you mentioned Lamar Miller. He's kind of an interesting situation there because he's got a good matchup against Indianapolis, but that offensive line for Houston is all beat up, 
And Miller actually started losing some carries to Alfred freaking Blue last week, which is crazy. Now, I could easily say, well, he's going to be my avoid this week. But the guy I'm avoiding has got a little bit cheaper salary. It's Devontae Freeman. You, you think he's going to have a higher salary than he actually does, but he doesn't. His price is only 5600 but they're going to Seattle. And only one team's running backs have topped 53 total rushing yards against them through four weeks. Uh, that's not what you expect uh, from Devontae Freeman on a weekly basis. But if that's what you're going to get out of Devontae Freeman against Seattle, I want no part of it. So I would agree with that. Um, the guy I'm going to avoid is Charles Sims. No, I'm kidding. Charles Sims got placed on IR. Um, so, of course, we all need to avoid him. Now I'm staying right at the top. Hell with it. Go big or go home. Um, I'm going to avoid a guy that is one of only four running backs in this decade. I believe that it was Chris Wessling that tweeted this out to have three straight games of 130-plus rushing yards. Pretty sure that's what it was. Don't quote me on that, but it was a lot, and it only happened four times. It was like um, Chris Johnson when he was in Tennessee, Adrian Peterson, and I believe Steven Jackson were the only ones to do this. Um, That's Ezekiel Elliott. I am avoiding Mr. Elliott as he goes to Green Bay this week. Well, I don't think there's a better defense in the league than the – Green Bay Packers against the run. Uh, They have allowed by far the fewest rushing yards this year and uh, yards per carry as well. Now, Ezekiel Elliott's a freak, and I think he's going to get his. I still think he's even going to score a touchdown, but I would definitely avoid him. Here's the other reason I'm avoiding him, and I believe I'll give the hat tip to this too. I believe it's Ben Fennell that tweeted this out, and I don't remember the exact number, but I'll be able to give you a a delineating line that will make sense. I believe on first down, he said that Green Bay is giving up the least amount of yards on first down to running backs, it's sub two yards per carry. It's like 1.5 or something like that on first down. And I think that what happens if you can limit Zeke on first down, you put the Dallas def- Dallas offense in a bad spot with Dak, who's been lights out so far this year. But that just is what has me really being cautious and there's no sense in paying up seven grand for somebody like Elliott when you've got two better options right above him for just a little bit more. Well, you talked about starting both DeMarco and Le'Veon Bell, which is certainly a strategy. If you're on a site such as DraftKings where you actually have a flex position as well, uh, you may need to put in a bargain play to fill out that flex position to fit both of those two high salaries in. So a player that I would recommend picking up as a, a value play at running back this week is the returning Jonathan Stewart. Uh, his price tag's 5100 on DraftKings, 6300 on FanDuel. But New Orleans has given up the most running back touchdowns, despite having already had their bye. So in other words, in one fewer game than any other team, they've given up more touchdowns. Yeah, that's that seems juicy. And I could understand rolling the dice on it, but I generally try to avoid guys coming back off of injury layoffs. I just... Too much risk in my mind. Um, but I can understand why you would want to try to, to maximize that. So maybe somebody wants to roll the dice with you know one of those other Fozzies or Cap or something like that. But it's sound logic. I just, for me, it's, I'd rather avoid that and go with a guy who had a pretty hot hand and looked good this past week. Um, I do think that his value is going to take a hit in the near future, but I think we get one more week out of him because the team fired their offensive coordinator because they didn't give him the ball enough. And that's Terrence West. He looked. He was running strong um, against Washington this past week. Now that's not saying much, um, but I think as a value play, West at five and sixty-five, 
makes very much a lot of sense. Well, Terrence West was on a lot of my DFS rosters this past week as, as either a flex or my running back, too. And uh, he, he definitely paid off in spades with a, with a very solid performance. A lot of people are concerned about Kenneth Dixon potentially cutting into his touches. But the fact of the matter is Dixon was a complete non-factor in his first week active. So uh, going forward, perhaps Dixon takes over at some point. But in the time being, it's West's job to lose. I do think that Dixon at some point is going to at least, that's why I said I think he's going to lose some value in the very near future because I think that that Dixon will get more involved. But West really did. He looked really good this weekend. And there was, you know, there's plays that don't show up or that people don't realize. They say, okay, Washington won. Um, They easily, easily, the Ravens gave away 14 points. One on a, and I hate this rule. I, I really think that the NFL needs to do something about it. But when a defender's trying to get in the end zone, he fumbles it at the six inch line through the end zone, and it, you know, they get it back. The other team gets it back. The Redskins get it back for a touchback on the 20. There's seven points. And then now it escapes him, but there was, I think, another turnover or something like that that was deep in, in Washington territory that would have wound up being, you know, three or seven points for him. So really, the Ravens should have come out of that. And, they put themselves in a bad way by getting away from the run. And when you fire your offensive coordinator because of that, I think that you see them really lean on that position this week. Okay, well, we've talked about quarterback and running back. How about wide receiver, Steve? Who are you paying up for at wide receiver? Well, I think we should talk about quarterbacks. I'm going to tell you who I'm going to – I mean, quarterback about kickers. Since um, Mr. First-Round – Kicker for Tampa Bay just missed another kick, bounced it off the upright. Um, no, two for five this year, something like that. Crazy! I just Yuck. looked up and I saw it doink. I was like, I didn't even have to know which team it was. It, it hit the crossbar. I couldn't see either team. I didn't know who was on offense, and I just knew it was the Tampa kicker, and it sure was. Aguayo, right? And that his name, Roberto Aguayo. Okay, so now we're at wide receiver. We'll get away from kickers. Um, I'm going to pay up for. God, I wanted to pay up for somebody else. But considering I paid up for his teammate, I didn't want to pay up ten thousand dollars and ninety seven hundred for Antonio Brown. But I won't fault anybody that does against that Miami Dolphins defense. Um, just lost another linebacker to IR and Koamisi. Um, their secondary's not good right now. But the guy I'm going to pay up for is a guy that I think is starting to like the game a little bit more and enjoy it and being fun and having having a good time. That's Odell Beckham Jr. 8,800, 8,300. I like that he's playing at home. I like that it's Baltimore coming in. Doesn't have the best secondary in the world. Um, Granted, it's better with Eric Weddle back there, kind of. Uh, But I still think that their cornerbacks are suspect. And I think that we see Odell Beckham eat at home this weekend. So in other words, there are no kicking nets in danger of being uh, destroyed this week? No, he made up with the net earlier last night when he hugged and kissed it. I don't know if you saw that or not. How sweet. Uh, I'm going to pay up for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is facing a Houston secondary that is completely ravaged by injuries. Uh, Jonathan Joseph was hurt in the last game. Uh, they're without uh, their Kareem second Jackson. starting quarterback. It's Kadeem, Kareem, Kadeem Jackson. Kadeem Jackson, yes. Yeah. And they also lost their strong safety uh, to an injury in this last game as well. So that's three injured starters in their backfield. Uh, Hilton is really the only truly reliable receiver on that Indianapolis team. And it's obvious that Andrew Luck has realized that because he keeps targeting Hilton over and over again. He's the only player in the NFL this year to have double-digit targets in every single game so far. 
The only thing I see wrong with you paying up for Hilton is that you're really not paying up. I mean, he's at a moderate price of $7,700 and 7900 I think that's still top 10, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is by the numbers, but dollar-wise, it's. I think he's underpriced, so he's a good value. He definitely is. All right, so who are you going to avoid this week? I'm going to go against A.J. Green at New England. Now, New England, what they do very, very well is they choose one person to shut down, and it's usually the most important person on the opposing offense. And uh, uh, case in point here, this is Cincinnati, and their most important person on offense is A.J. Green. So Belichick will definitely plan to shut him down. And you know what? I, I kind of I agree with you. I looked at A.J. Green. I was like, I, sometimes I just get a gut feeling. And that's not always a good thing when you don't look at numbers to back up the way you feel. But there's – look, the NFL never goes the way it's supposed to go. It just it doesn't always happen that way. That's why – Good teams lose to bad teams, et cetera, right? Yes. That Cincinnati-New England game is one of those games that I just have a feeling is not going to play out the way it should. And I almost wanted to say I wanted to pay up for A.J. Green, but I know it's too risky, so I didn't do it, especially because of Belichick. But there's a good chance we could see Tyler Eifert this week, and I was like, leave it to Belichick to take out Eifert instead of A.J. Green type deal. You know what I mean? Because um, I really think you see how much that offense misses Eifert and how one-dimensional it is without him. So in any, in any event, the guy I'm going to avoid is Julio Julio Jones. Yes, I also went on a rant on my radio show on Friday with Steve Dumig. I can't tell you, but at least if not five times, I heard people on SiriusXM talking to other hosts, talking about should I start Julio or not. It's Julio, people. <laughs> Me and Julio down by the schoolyard or whatever the hell it is. It's not Julio. But anyway, I'm sitting Julio Jones against the Seahawks in Seattle. Kind of goes you know hand what? in hand with your reason for sitting Matt Ryan. I would almost, uh, I hate to say this, but for season-long players that drafted Julio in the first round of their drafts, you almost have to seriously consider Julio, sitting Julio in season-long leagues this week in that tough, tough matchup. Do you want me to tell you who Julio has a feel of right now? Chad Johnson. Remember Chad Johnson? How that incons- is a deep dive, but I agree with it. How how inconsistent he was, but how absolutely massive he could be on a week. And then you look at his you know numbers through six weeks, and it's like he's top five. But then three of those weeks, he was outside the top thirty type thing. So that's kind of how Julio feels right now. Um, if he's not at home, I don't feel comfortable starting him, especially against a defense like Seattle. Well, I think you're going to like my deep, 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 deep. Deep, 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 deep sleeper dive at wide receiver this week because, you know, this guy, he hasn't gotten any respect yet this year. A couple years ago, he was actually a a fantasy favorite going into drafts. Everyone thought he was going to be a sneaky late pickup in drafts uh, a couple years back, and that's Brian Quick. I thought you were going to say Charles Rogers. Oh, wow. That would have been a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, Brian Quick gets to face Detroit. His price tag is only $3,200. He scored three touchdowns already this year. And when you look at Detroit, they have Darius Slay and nothing else. They've given up seven wide receiver scores so far. And two different teams have topped 230 receiving yards with their wide receiver core against them. So even, even in the fact that Los Angeles' offense is really pathetic they're still going to throw the ball a fair amount. Case Keenum actually threw for over 250 yards last week, so he's capable of being an efficient field mover in in the need. 
And I'm really sure that Tavon Austin is going to get the attention of Darius Slay, which is going to mean a lot of opportunities for Mr. Uh, for Mr. Quick to get open. You do realize that this isn't 1985 anymore, right? When you say 250 yards, like that's a good thing for a quarterback. For Case Keenum, that's a pretty good thing. Well, that's true. It's all relative. Um, yeah, that's going out there. That is deep. That is blue light special territory. Um, for those that don't know, I'm on WDAE out of Tampa every Friday from 5 to 6 with Steve Dumig. And at 545, we do my blue light specials where I try to find stuff that it should be the segment should be sponsored by Tums or something like that because the picks would make you um, not feel so good to be putting them in your DFS lineup. And yes, I think Quick would fall fall into that blue light special realm. Last week, for what it's worth, Cameron Meredith was one of my blue light specials. But this week on this show, my value play because I'm not trying to come up with blue lights here is Robert Woods. I don't think there's anything fun, frilly to get excited about, but I think that he's a solid play. That if you are looking to, because you're looking to have some of that room to go with those two big running backs and you need to go a little cheaper at wide receiver, he's the kind of guy I think that you can put in a flex position or in one of the wide receiver spots to help buy some salary. I hope you're right, because I actually picked up Woods in a couple season-long leagues last week, and uh, I was a little bit disappointed in his total line production in his first start, but He's got a matchup this week that I think that Buffalo can take advantage of. Certainly, if Tyrod Taylor is looking to throw the ball downfield, it's likely going to go to either Marquise Goodwin or to Woods. Yeah, so that's the thought process behind it. Anyway, let's go over to tight end. Tell us who you're paying up for. Well, I I know everyone expects me to be all aboard the uh, Gronkowski train, and I do like him this week. But I'm going to pay up for Delaney Walker versus Cleveland. Uh, So far this season... Cleveland has been destroyed by Jordan Reed, Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett, Zach Ertz, Dennis Pitta, and even Dion freaking Sims. Dion Sims. Think about that. I understand all the other guys, but Dion Sims, come on. That's just wrong. Delaney Walker is going to eat and eat heavily in this game, and his price tag is a couple grand cheaper than both Gronk and Jordan Reed. Okay. Fair enough. I like the matchup. I like the thought process. I can get on board with that, but... I'm paying up. We're talking. This is pay up. So you're going a couple thousand cheap. I'm going a couple thousand more expensive. I was off Gronk until I said we saw Gronk beat Gronk. We saw Gronk beat Gronk last week. With the exception of there was no Gronk smash, correct? No. Those three smashes, or three tugs as he and Marty B call them, um, went to Marty B. So Tom will write that this week. At least one tug slash smash for Mr. Gronk. I'm paying up for Gronkowski this week. I actually totally agree. Gronk will score at least once this week. He probably should have scored last week, but uh, let's just say Tom Brady was spreading the wealth. You don't spread the wealth when you give three of them to one person. (laughs) Those might be the only three touchdowns Martellus Bennett sees this year. Remember, that's kind of been Bennett's uh, traditional history as he has uh, one huge game in September, I guess it could be October this time, and then kind of drops off considerably the second half of the year. Okay. So let's go to my stay away since we're right there. I've got a good transition because guess who I'm staying away from this week? Who's that? I'm staying away from Martellus Bennett this week. <laughs> so. I guess that's a smart move. Uh, you never like to chase points. No. You particularly don't want to chase points – 
in sort of a fluke situation where Bennett just happened to catch the three touchdowns that could have easily gone to Gronk. Yeah, and I do. I think that if there's a tight end to bet on this week in that game, and again, I told you, I'm not real sure that New England's going to go in at home like they should and beat Cincinnati. I just have a bad feeling about that game. But if I'm going to bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on Gronk. I'm not going to bet on Bennett. So I'm staying away from Bennett. Well, the guy I'm staying away from is Jordan Reed. He actually is higher priced than Gronk on one of the sites this week. And it's really, really crazy because when you look at what Philadelphia has done to opposing tight ends, it's ridiculous. Four teams have faced Philly and they've given up a total, not per game, a total six receptions and 43 yards to every tight end on every roster they've faced. A total of six and 43 I can do the math quickly for you. That's one and a half catches and 10.25 yards per game. Yeah, not much, basically. Yeah, if you want that numbers from Reed, go ahead and play them. I'm sure as heck not going to pay that price for him at that type of production. I will say this. I'm on board with it because of everything you said. The one thing that has me and makes me have a little bit of pause with it is the fact that it's in Washington. If it were in Philadelphia, it'd be lockstep right there with you. The fact that it's a home game for him is the only thing that says there might be a sliver of we see him be the first one to do and give a little bit of production against that Philly team. But that's a small sliver, real small. Um, my value play this week is in that same game, and it's Mr. Ertz. Uh, I think people were let down playing him this past weekend in a game coming off of injury, multiple weeks missed. What do I like to not do? I'd like to not play guys coming off injury. So now I think that the way we chase points, a lot of people tend to get scared away from guys coming off bad weeks. Put it in your hindsight. Put it in, in your back pocket. Whatever the hell you want to put it. Just make sure you put Zach Ertz in your lineup this week against that Washington defense. Well, I like your analogy about uh, putting it behind you and like look not looking back at something because my value play is going to be a guy who burned me as a value play a couple weeks ago. And that's Kobe Fleener. Uh, he's going to face Carolina. And now we haven't really seen what Carolina is going to do yet in this game. Uh, it's quite possible that Cameron Brake does something in the second half. But as of where we're at in the show right now, uh, he hasn't done a whole lot in this game. But Carolina has allowed TDs to the tight end position in three of their first four games. So if you need a tight end touchdown, obviously Fleener and Breeze are starting to get on the same page. Uh, they've been a little bit more active together in the passing game. And Breeze is at home, so you know he's going to put up some good numbers. I have a good thought that one of those scores that Breeze throws might go to Fleener. I, you know what? I can see that, but I have to make sure that you're aware of this. You know what the definition of insanity is? Going to the well again and again and expecting yeah, do, a different result. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. So that's the, only, that's the warning label that will attach to Kobe, Fle Kobe Fleener as a DFS play for you. How's that? Well, and here's the thing with Kobe Fleener, too. He's, he's kind of setting up to be the type of guy where you, you choose to play him one week and he's not going to do anything. Then you bench him and he's going to go off. So what you have to do is use a little bit of double psychology. Literally, don't put him in any lineup. And then at about 11.58 or whatever a.m. on Sunday morning, go to your DFS account and do a quick lineup swap and put him into all of your lineups because he's going to go off that day. Hey, and I got some breaking news. Watching this Monday night game, Mike Evans just made his first catch of the game, I believe, and something weird happened with how he fell. He limped off. I couldn't tell if it was an ankle, a knee, or a hip, but 
that'll be something that bears monitoring, and I'm sure everybody will know about it before this podcast actually hits the airwaves. It's definitely something to watch. Uh, Mike Evans is obviously the number one option there. If he misses time, a very good sneaky pickup for people is Adam Humphreys. We yes. told you about a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he actually was targeted quite a bit in the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, didn't do much the last couple weeks, but uh, if Evans misses time, Humphreys becomes the number two receiver opposite uh, Vincent Jackson. Yep, that's for sure. So that'll do it for our DFS segment, which, believe it or not, went really long. We're at 36 minutes already. So we're in oh. overtime. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to go, I guess, maybe five-ish to ten-ish minutes, and we're going to talk about talk, 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 roll, deflate gate. No, we're not going to talk about those things. Uh, we're going to talk about bankroll management and different types of games that you should be playing. So, Harley, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. Tell us how and what we should do <coughs> to manage our credits or units or whatever the hell you want to call them. Well, there's several different styles of games you can play. Uh, again, it depends a lot on what website you go to play on. Here we talk about salaries and whatnot for FanDuel and DraftKings because those are the two biggest daily fantasy sites out there. But there's lots and lots of other sites out there. One of my personal favorites uh, is FantasyDraft.com. They actually have a very good format where you're able to choose uh, a much bigger roster. Uh, and with that bigger roster, you also have more money to spend, so their salaries are a little bit higher. But you, it allows you to pick up a few more star players. You don't have to put a bunch of uh, cheap dollar players on your team. But as far as the type of games I like to play, uh, on any given week, uh, there's two basic styles of games, and there's subcategories within each of those styles. And that is uh, games that play out in like a 50-50 format, where you're getting paid based on beating either a third or a half of the rest of the league. If you beat a third or half the rest of the league, you'll get paid X amount of dollars uh, in response to that. The other format is tournament play. Now, in tournament play, you're competing against a larger number of players, but there's higher potential payouts. So teams that finish in the top 10 or so in a tournament are going to get paid a lot more based uh, comparative to their entry fee versus what you would pay to get into a 50-50 or a, uh, uh, any sort of multiplier tournament that pays two, three, or five times what your entry fee is. And quickly, a, another breaking. Mr. Mike Evans just got a target in the end zone, so he's back, and evidently that injury was not something significant. Um, as far as what you are just talking about there, safe to say, as a warning to our um, listenership, that you do not want to play all GPPs. While the, pay, while the payout is great, it's kind of like playing the lottery. Your odds are long, right? The odds are definitely much deeper in a GPP. And again, that's how come you can make more money really fast by hitting on one of those things. However, if you're just getting started, the odds of winning big, big money, like life-changing money in a GPP, is really slim and none. You would have to get really, really lucky. Like you said, lottery ticket type luck to collect a big six-figure-plus payday any given week in a GPP. Now, when a person's starting out, the thing that I recommend is playing those double-ups, playing those uh, triple-ups, any event where maybe you put... Uh, and now, again, you kind of want to figure out what you want to invest in a given game, too, because and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But take whatever your investment is, double-up a few times, triple-up a few times your investment, then you'll have some money that you can take some of that and keep playing it in the safer uh, safer 
multiplier games, but put a little bit of that towards entering those big tournaments so you don't have as much risk uh, involved in terms of your total bankroll. Right. Something I think that we should point out for people to understand, too, is that the different types of formats that you can play in have different, I don't know what the right word is to use here, but different levels of points that you need to get to to get to the payout level. A GPP, go look at what the winning totals are for that, and you're going to see high 200s, right? High to mid-200 mid scores. Yes. But, but then you go to some of your other type of entries that are 50-50s or even head-to-heads and look at what the score is that you need to hit a payout there, and you'll find that it might be in that 165 to 180 range. Well, that's actually kind of something that we talk about a little bit in terms of uh, when, you, when you read uh, at thehuddle.com, we've got the Daily Domination article each week that I put out. Uh, we talk about strategies for both GPP as well as for head-to-head and 50-50 uh, contests. You always want to have a more safe lineup for your 50-50s because you don't have to worry about having that team that hits the home run that has like the, pres- the person that's owned only in two leagues. You need to have all the guys that are going to score the highest possible points. Now, in a GPP format or a tournament format, you need to have at least one or two of those deep, deep sleepers, and they have to hit for you. In other words, you have to pick right and choose your Ted Ginn Jr. the week he goes yeah. off, or, or choose your uh, Eddie Royal the week he decides to score three touchdowns. Uh, if you put in all name players, all star players, you're going to run into a situation where somebody will have someone that's not owned that much, and that person's going to ultimately finish above you in the standings. Yep. And I'm going to tell you what else I would recommend. If you're going to, if you really want to play the the big, big GPPs, the way to win is to find that guy that nobody's on. So if you're going to play, and Ted Ginn, Deshaun Jackson, Ted Ginn, because he's so much cheaper than Jackson, usually on a week-to-week basis, is a guy that I would tell you, I'd have him in my lineup every week. Every week. I'm not going to think about it. Just plug him in. And you know that three, four, five out of seven weeks, he's not going to hit. But that one week when he hits, he could be that type of difference maker because if you try to chase it to figure out when to put him in your lineup, you're going to miss it more than likely, right? That's correct. And I I think you kind of led me into my next comment here, which is that typically the players you kind of want to chase for those deep, deep dives, they tend to fall at the wide receiver position. Now, I say that because there are only... 32 starting running backs. There may be three or four potential RBBC-type situations where you might find a cheap running back to, to give you that thing, but whenever a running back is cheap, that player is going to be owned considerably high in most uh, daily fantasy formats because, again, there's only so many to choose from. Yep. It's finding those bargains either at the wide receiver or sometimes at the tight end position where you can really score big, score fast, and, and save yourself some money. Absolutely. It's kind of like investing in stocks. Um, you They're know, penny stocks. Yeah. And, but you can't invest solely in penny stocks because what happens when you invest solely in penny stocks? You lose your shirt. Um, and the same way goes with picking your games. The GPP is kind of like a penny stock. Um, I would say that if you're going to play tournaments, try and find single-entry tournaments where you don't have people entering 50, 75 different lineups that just have the money to throw at it because you really make your odds long. But in those ones where they're single entry, better odds. And also that break-even point where you win money, 
that's going to usually be at a lower price, lower score point than it would be in those big GPPs where people can t- toss in tons and tons of different lineups. That's definitely true. And I, I think most sites these days will actually state on the site, whether it's a single entry tournament or a maximum number of entries tournament, uh, typically the bigger sites will have uh, some tournament set, just a single entry, but they'll usually have some that are like a max three or max six entry type of format. So players that want to submit more than one lineup can, but like you said, you don't have to go up against the people who use machines to submit 60 yep. lineups to make changes instantaneously right before kickoff to to make sure that they have the most unique lineups possible. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to wrap this up, and I'm going to wrap us up by giving our listenership homework. And what I'm going to tell you to do is I'm going to tell you to go and find whichever site you like to use. I like DraftKings. Um, but go into their lobby and look at the different types of tournaments that they have. Remember, you have to be smart and build your bankroll. But when you get to a point where you can maybe enter a $100 or a $200 tournament, what your homework is is to go and look at all those different tournaments and track the pay, the pay price. What did it take for them for somebody to win that tournament? And that, when you put it all out there, I think will be eye-opening to you if you've been somebody that's just been trying to chase GPPs and having no luck and feeling like, i got to always get this right – this is going to show you how and why you need to start out slow, build that bankroll, and then you can get into those tournaments that really your odds are much better at winning a fair share of money than trying to go for the, I'm going to be able to buy myself an Antonio Brown black and yellow Rolls Royce if I win. Well, one last piece of advice for, for uh, DFS players is as, as you get yourself going and you're building your bankroll, uh, key piece of advice you never want to have more than 10% of your bankroll in play at any given one time. Because, as you said, anything can and will happen in the NFL. Strange things will happen. Uh, even when you predict the best possible options to produce for you and you have those players in your lineup, injuries happen, rain happens, hurricanes happen. Things happen that can cause you to lose that money. So. Keep your bankroll in such a state that you're never putting more than 10% into any one given week. Hell, balls bounce weird. I mean, C.J. Anderson was a flop. There was Everybody and their mother in the industry was on C.J. Anderson this week. And I'm sure that there are people that have laid into them, oh, I can't believe you told me to play C.J. Anderson. Guess what? It was the right call. We make, you have to make informed, intelligent decisions based on what the numbers and the matchup says, but it doesn't always play out that way. So that's why you do what Harley said, and you don't expose yourself or overexpose yourself. So hopefully you have enjoyed this week's DFS-centric show. Be sure to follow Harley if you have any more DFS questions or just regular questions. You can reach him on Twitter at NuclearHarley. And then, of course, you can also reach myself at Steve Gallo NFL. And be sure to do us a favor, head over to iTunes, rate us and review us over there. And until next week, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>